Hi, and welcome to the TSW podcast, providing insight from thought leaders, success stories, and practical mental and physical tips to help you on your journey to recovery with your host, Claire Hart. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the TSW podcast. I'm your host, Claire Hart. So great to be back talking with you all today. I feel like it's been a little while since I launched the last episode, but it was probably probably about two weeks ago. We've got a great episode to bring to you today. Many of you will be familiar with Kelly Palace, who was one of the co-founders of ITSAN. Um, and we have an amazing chat about both Kelly's recovery, but also lots of facets around mindset, healing, um, intimate relationships. So lots of good stuff. And I'll talk you through that in a second. Just before we want we uh, kick off, I just want to give you an update on my skin. Um, so as many of you will know, I started going to Skin Solace, which was founded by Louise King and her partner Jing. Um, I'm now on my fifth treatment, just coming up tomorrow, which I'm excited about. And my skin is not broken, which is a huge relief. It's not flaky. It's still a bit red. It's definitely inflamed, but it's not oozing um, and I'm sleeping. So, you know, I'm so incredibly grateful that it's in this state so quickly, which to be honest, I com completely didn't expect. Um, and yeah, I'm hoping to just continue seeing slow progress. I sh I'm sure it's going to plateau out at some point. Um, but I'm very fortunate to be off work, signed off work for a period of time. So minimizing the stress that, that work is um, having on my skin. So so all good here at the moment. And yeah, I'm very grateful that I have that treatment option from Skin Celeste so close to home because I, I do appreciate that um, it's, a, it's a bit of a, a bit of a rare, rare treatment. So hopefully we'll see more growth and progression of this treatment coming online for other people in other countries soon. So enough about me, um, let's talk about Kelly Palace. So Kelly is a force of nature, and I'll come to that in a second, but she's um, one of those people who make you think that you really are not doing enough in life. <laughs> and really inspirational. So it was um, a really exhilarating conversation that we had. So Kelly, in 2009 created the website addictedskin.com and that was based on her own withdrawal from topical steroids. She featured photos as well as white papers and um, insight journals from Dr. Fakaya, Dr. Rappaport and also Dr. Kligman. Um, and very quickly it evolved into a bit of an online community with lots of people reaching out to Kelly for support and guidance on their own condition. Kelly worked very closely with Marvin Rappaport and then in 2012, she changed addicted skin to itsand.org and filed a non-profit status. Kelly served as the president of itsand for six years in total and then stepped down, passing leadership over to other members of the executive board. Since then, Kelly's gone on to write a book. She's the author of Take Your Mark Lead, 10 Ways to Lead Yourself and Others Like a Champion. And there's one particular chapter that we discuss, which Kelly um, shares is particularly relevant for TSW and healing. And she's also one of the co-hosts of the award-winning podcast, Champions Mojo. So as I said, Kelly is really a force of nature. She um, had quite a long withdrawal, around about 10 years. So we talk about that in detail, as well as the impact that some major life events had on Kelly's healing. 
and why stress is one of the biggest things to minimize if you can. We talk about mindset and the power of healing visualizations. We really deep dive on maintaining relationships and intimacy, which is particularly close to my heart, um, having struggled to, to stay and share a bed with my husband during my TSW. Should we talk about making up for lost time and what Kelly sees as the importance of making a list of what you're going to do once you're healed and then fulfilling that. We talk about infections. Um, we talk about the founding of ITSAN. And also we have a conversation about asking yourself some really challenging questions as you're kind of getting to the more recovered end of um, TSW, which is, you know, really exploring how has your relationship evolved with being ill um, and what you can take away from it and how you can grow from it. So lots of amazing stuff covered in this podcast. So we really hope that you get a lot from it. As always, do let us know any feedback um, in the comments on Instagram. It means a lot to me um, purely because if I don't get feedback, I feel like, <laughs> is it resonating for you? I would love to know as well if there's anybody else you'd like me to interview. Um, so yeah, please do interact with me um, and let me know your thoughts. And also please do subscribe on Apple iTunes. Um, and that just helps us with the ratings and so making sure that more people find it as well. So yeah, enjoy everybody. And I look forward to hearing your feedback. Bye. Palace, welcome to the TSW podcast. We're so excited to have you on. Real joy to, to have you speaking with us today. So welcome. Well, thank you, Claire. And what you're doing is wonderful. I think the more information we can get out there and the more people can communicate, it is a very lonely, uh, hard uh, syndrome situation to go through. So thank you for doing this. Really, really appreciate it. And you're doing a great job. And it's my pleasure and honor to be here. Fantastic. Thank you. So Kelly, what I normally do is start the conversation with understanding people's personal journey with topical steroids. So it'd be great to find out, did you have eczema? What was your journey with your skin? And how did you come into contact with topical steroids? Sure. I think I started like most, most of us, even though I know there are some people that start differently with just the little spot of eczema, you know, just the basic little bit in between my fingers, a little bit around my eyelids, nothing devastating, but that was, I do remember waking up when I was, you know, four, five, six with just itchy, itchy fingers, you know, in the middle of the night. And I had would, I wouldn't even turn on the light. I would just lean over to my little perfect tube of topical steroids and slather them on in the middle of the night and it would stop the itching and I would go back to sleep. And that was, you know, that was like five, six. So, um, it, it just went on for decades of little spots here and there of being treated with topical steroids. And then when it, it turned to where it was something that was just really taking over my life was, you know, fast forward, maybe 20 years of this just spot using, you know, little on the hands, little behind the knees, little around, you know, the eyes, but uh, it was when I went to the top, the eyelid um, topical steroids given to me by my um, eye doctor, you know, and I, I'm a swimmer, I'm a competitive swimmer. So I wear a lot of swim goggles and I'm in a lot of chlorine. And, uh, so I would just constantly have like red rings around my eyes. And she said, Oh, I've got something that can clear that up. And so she gave me a FML cream, which I don't know what it is around the world, but it's just a very light, very small tube. And that was, would work a miracle. I started there. And then 
it began the you know redness around the eyes would return if i didn't use it and then it spread from the eyes to the face and then i was using something on my face and then it spread to the neck and then i was using it was just a crazy so then in my i would say in my thir- late 30s i'm 60 now um just turned 60 in my late maybe late 30s so 40ish um i began to just have uncontrollable eczema all over my body and that was um you know met with hundreds of trips to different dermatologists i went everywhere whenever i would visit places my mom sent me to her her dermatologist because she was so worried about me and i was still an athlete i was running swimming trying to keep up with all this and so this uh, dermatologist introduced me to something called a soak and smear for those of you that have been through this horrible uh it was you know a one pound tube a one pound bottle box of you know, tub, a tub of topical steroids of triamcinolone cream. And she told me you have eczema all over your body, obviously. And I want you to sit in a hot tub. And then I want you to have, you know, apply this all over your body from head to toe. And so I did that several times uh, with this triamcinolone cream, which we know now, oh my gosh, that's just like, it's like, uh, you know, if I were taken behind enemy lines and put in a prisoner of war camp and tortured, that would be like my nightmare. I would rather be waterboarded or maybe beaten. But if you were going to put me in a steroid tub, uh, that, you know, it would just be like, Oh no, I know it's coming down the road now. So, um, and I, at, during that full body time, I chased all kinds of things. Like I was also did the same treatment with, um, ivermectin, which is, a uh, anti, um, parasite you know did did i have scabies you know they thought that i had scabies uh so it was just total searching in the darkness when there was no there was nothing out there so um that was just this progression and and here is the real scary part my husband's like make sure you tell claire about this so i had forgotten that my body became so used to steroids and and besides the soak and smears i was Mm. given multiple multiple shots uh you know just go into the dermatologist. Oh my gosh, you're covered in eczema here. Stick a needle in my butt and fill me full of steroids. I also took many multiple doses of oral steroids. Um, so I was, they were hitting me from every angle. And so then at some point I realized that I just had to stop this and I did. And I went into something called an adrenal crisis and that was, I started, my blood pressure dropped incredibly low. I, I was feeling super dizzy. I couldn't stand up. My husband took me to, strangely, our doctor was like right across the street from where we were living at the time. And she said, um, you are having an adrenal crisis and I, I can put you in the hospital <clears throat> or I can, or if you promise me someone will stay with you 24 hours a day for the next three or four days till you recover from this with, which was taking a low dose of steroids because I was, my body was not able to produce its own cortisol. So, um, my husband happened to be going out of town on a business trip to London, in fact, which is crazy because, you know, I'm in Florida and that was a long trip. So my mother flew in from Virginia, which is a long flight. My husband stayed with me just until he had to leave. My mom came down and I remember just having my head in her lap. I'm going to cry oh, Kelly. <laughs> the entire weekend. 
<clears throat> until I kind of got resurrected. And I guess the, the small doses of, um, of having some more steroids brought me up. And then at that point, I was just so despondent and what is going on? Mm -hmm. And I was bright red, you know, just my, my face was so red that I Googled, I kept Googling red face, red eyes, burning skin. And lo and behold, um, Dr. Rappaport's article actually his article came up, but it needed, you needed to buy it. It was $70, the best $70 I ever spent in my <laughs> life and your lives, people, you know, it was yeah. like those of you in the early um, phases. So I, I was at the time, strangely, I was a pharmaceutical sales rep trained to, um, to read clinical articles. That's what you did. You, you, you read clinical articles, you studied them, and then you presented them to doctors so that they would buy your products. So I found this article, I bought it with seven, you know, with a credit card. It was, it was about one in the morning because of course I wasn't sleeping as most of you know, and I found the article and the name of the article was eyelid dermatitis to red skin syndrome. That was the name of the article. And when I saw that, it, you know, you, it's like this literally, you know, cue the Hollywood uh, golden light from the sky and you know, this is me. This is, oh my gosh, who is this doctor? And right at the bottom of the page was his email, Dr. Marvin Rappaport. So I emailed him at one in the morning, Florida time, which is New York time. And he was in LA. So he must've still been up. And I told him, I said, I think I have this. I am, you know, ready to kill myself. You know, I've been going through this. So I had been looking and having out of control eczema for probably at that point, four years. So I was four years of, of hell, of living hell with my full body eczema and bouncing from steroid to steroid and, um, and treatment to treatment. But literally, like I told you before the call, everything, literally like high colonics to hypnosis to this therapy, that therapy, you know, see, swimming in the salt sea and, you know, just everything. Um, and Dr. Rappaport, of course, said the two words that, um, you know, we think is the answer, but we don't know that it's the gate of hell is stop everything. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so I stopped everything and walked through the gates of hell on June 28th, 2009. Mm -hmm. And my, um, I wish I had taken more photos, but I, I took a few at the very beginning because I just thought, oh, now this is done. And um, so that was my, how I found out about TSW. I started, you know, I did the few photos, but then once I had my first relief, so I went through the initial flares of probably six months of truly burn victim homebound. Don't touch me. Don't have a sheet on me. Don't wear any clothes. Mm -hmm. I remember that the one thing that kind of, uh, it, it strangely stuck out to me. I, I'm a huge Michael Jackson fan, the singer. And right when I went into topical steroid withdrawal, uh, Michael Jackson had passed away. And I watched his life stories being told and his funeral and, you know, the whole Michael Jackson thing on TV. And I just remember just being like, I was never a TV watcher, but I was in bed um, 
watching TV and watching the Michael Jackson uh, tragedy unfold and, and other things that summer, but I was just in the house uh, in, you know, in Florida, it was so hot. I mm. couldn't even step outside the heat, like heat. I couldn't drink anything hot. I did, you know, the same thing where I just molted and oozed and cracked and itched, uh, you know, the, the itch from hell, the nightmare, yeah. Yeah. you know, uh, selling your soul to the devil type of itch. And, um, so that went on for six months, but during that time I was so elated and, and always kind of our, our family motto and just kind of good advice is when you're in pain, what other, who else is in pain? So that's when I decided, I realized my skin was addicted to steroids. I started addictedskin.com and, um, I just put my story out there. I put Dr. Rappaport's articles. I also found the Dr. Uh, Albert Kligman articles, Dr. Fukaya, Dr. Fukaya and I, and, and Dr. Rappaport, we became friends. I kept emailing with these, these great doctors that were emailing me back and helping me. And then um, the number of emails that I got, cause I put my personal email out there, which at that time, and I still have it. If anybody wants to email me, it's addictedskin at gmail.com. I still have that email. Um, and people uh, would email me from all over the world, literally. Uh, I think I've got emails from India. I know I got emails from Jordan, um, of course, Australia and Canada and the UK and the US and Mexico and, you know, just, hey, I, I think I have this. And so we started this small community through a Google group. It was like, well, I can't communicate with everybody just by email. Let's all talk together. Then we started our first, um, hey, Dr. Rappaport, would you like to address this group, which quickly went up to 100 people. I'm talking in the first six months. Mm -hmm. um, and and then I I had a, a recedence, a, like a, a break, you know, I like I went through this first layer of my skin and was able to travel and I went to see Dr. Rappaport. And that was a long trip. Mm -hmm. You know, you guys listening out there in the trenches know how hard it is to travel with your skin. Um, so I, you know, went out there. That must have been I, amazing seeing him. In it person. was, oh, it was amazing. It was amazing <laughs> seeing him in person and, you know, getting the assurance of that I would heal and, um, yeah. and knowing that this was such a pervasive problem and how, um, you know, it would, it, it, it needed larger attention. And I, just said, Hey, I know this, I know you're busy with your practices and I'm just <laughs> convalescing here. Would you, you know, how let, let's, let's start up a nonprofit. Let's, let's get the word out. And so we sat around a big round table with his, um, few of his family members who were doctors and, uh, my brother's a doctor. My husband was with me and we came up with the international topical steroid addiction network, which I think has bounced around now several times between addiction and awareness. Mm -hmm. um, yep. I'm not sure. What are we on now? Awareness, right? I thought it was um, awareness, but <laughs> yes, awareness. It originally started as addiction and I think it went to awareness and back to addiction and back to awareness. I, I kind of like awareness because I mm -hmm. think people need to be aware, even though there is a, no doubt an addiction to yeah. our skin. Um, so that that's, that's how it started. We filed all the paperwork. We, um, you know, began to just kind of launch it with the official board. And, um, I became the president for the next three years, even though that took, um, three years of, 
of kind of planning and launching and growing and seeing that it was really going to, and, and fundraising. Um, there were a lot of people at the beginning that put in money to get it started. And so uh, that's, that's how that started. Amazing. Amazing. What a roller coaster to get to, to get to, to that point. Um, to talk to, talk to me a little bit, so I'm just going to go back a little bit because, <clears throat> you know, you mentioned kind of adrenal crisis. And I think, I think most of the community are aware that, you know, your adrenals are massively impacted during this process because of all of the exogenous um, cortisol. But, and then obviously you went on a low steroid to support recovery through that really intense crisis period. But talk to me about that tapering off those steroids and helping your adrenals recover was it just simply kelly a case of you know what you just have to leave it alone and it will naturally recover or was there anything you did specifically to support your adrenals yeah i have a book on my shelf called um, adrenal adrenal fatigue Mm -hmm. syndrome and so i bought that and you know there are a lot of there is a lot of uh information on recovering your adrenals i did not do anything radical I was always of the mindset of, you know, I'm not going to bring in another iatrogenic condition to heal this iatrogenic condition. And I'm sure most people know that an iatrogenic condition means a, a uh, condition brought on by the cure, right? So we were trying to cure our eczema and we got another disease from that. So I was always very cautious with you know, I know there are people that did, you know, vitamin C, um, IV vitamin C and intravenous this and that, and, you know, had a lot of, I, I would do light things that might not hurt me, but I became completely frightened of the medical community, which is something that we've got to be careful of because if you, if you become complete anti-medical, then like I became for many years, you know, maybe I would have missed my breast cancer, which I had five years ago. But to answer your question, I didn't do anything radical. Um, I did not take any supplement. I mean, I, I took a like a thyroid supplement, which was some good vitamins. Um, there was a strange, I, this I recall that during the middle of the day from three to 5 p.m. of your day, uh, you should sit with your feet up, that that was something hmm. that restores your adrenals, that that's the time of day when your adrenals start to fatigue and that if you can be calm. Um, so I think more than anything, which is going to be the, you know, the piece of advice, which is not brain science here, um, is to, to be comfortable, to be, to treat your body well and not push it when it is trying so hard to recover that that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because we, like you mentioned, we go through all of these different things to try and get it over and done with and heal ourselves quicker. But actually, sometimes that's putting more stress on your liver and your kidneys and processing all the additional things you're trying to do. And actually, yes. you just need to, like you said, be comfortable, rest as much as possible. And your body is doing its thing, albeit frustratingly slowly sometimes. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, so talk to me guys so you mentioned you know you had the first wave which was horrific for six months and then you had a little bit of a period of recovery and then talk to me about the rest of your healing journey so I was one of those uh, not uh, where I had 
really bad times and really good times. So there were many times when I thought I was completely healed. Not and now that I am completely healed, I realized that those times that I thought I was completely healed, I was not <clears throat> because my skin is now real, perfect, creamy, smooth skin. So the times Amazing. that I thought I was healed, it was just dry, but not oozing and not cracked and, and less itchy, but still very itchy. You know, that, that, that was, that was the, I think being, not being itchy is something that it was the kind of deciding factor and the texture of my skin. So I went through periods where I would have flares where it's just like, oh my gosh. And, and those were so depressing because I had thought I'm healed. And, and so one of the, the reasons that I've, well, one small factor in kind of stepping away from it, San, was Number one, I had been at it for a hard six years of answering hundreds of emails every night and the, the sorrow, the suffering to watch that. I think that I just, you know, I just had a limit. And so I had to, I had to take a break of being, you know, the front face of it, Sand, though I've always been in the background raising funds. That's been where I could be like, okay, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to keep this this organization funded, but in the, in the shadows. And so, but one of the small reasons that I stepped away was because I came out initially as, Hey, I'm healed. And this was at about, I don't know, the two, three year mark. And then I had a horrific year of flares and I thought I'm a fraud. I've told everybody that I'm healed and now I'm not healed. And so I didn't want to discourage people. And now I feel like there are enough of us long-termers to say, you know, it may take longer. And even though it was a very long journey for me to be completely healed, I did have islands and respites of able to function and able to not think about my skin 24 mm seven. -hmm. So um, I would, I would go in and out and I am talking for over 10 years of in and out of these flares and yet when I did fall into a flare, it was, it was not, it was bad. It was never as bad as the first one, but it was still in, insane itching, insane lack of sleep, freezing body temperatures, red skin, um, flaking skin, infected skin at times, you know, I've had different infections on and off throughout my 10 years. Um, because of the itching, you just, mm. it's just very hard to control. Mm. Uh, so that went on um, for about 10 years where, and Dr. Rappaport has said this, each progressive flare would be a little less. It's kind of like, you know, it because you wanted to be healed, you think, oh my gosh, this is the end of the world. This is another flare, but yet you can't see your hair growing and you can't see grass growing, but it is growing. And I do promise you out there, you are healing but it is so incremental and so slow that you just don't see it. And mm -hmm. so when you think you're healed and then you have another flare, it feels like as bad as the first one. So mm -hmm. um, that went on and off for 10 years, but I will say that I didn't want to put this information out there because I've said, and I, and, and this is, a, you know, a trigger warning and I, I apologize for it, but I want to be authentic that um, I, I, 
I feel like maybe if someone had told me at the beginning of my journey that it would be a full 10 years before I would be completely healed, I do not know if I would have wanted to go on living. Mm -hmm. And so um, I didn't want to scare people. I didn't want to tell them this was my reality. But now that I'm through it, of course, I'm like, boy, I'm glad that I chose to live because there were times when you're so depressed and it's so dark and you can't sleep, you don't make good decisions when you're itching all night, scratching all night, you're on your third type of infection. You, you know, you're just at a point where is life worth living, but then somehow around the corner is a respite. There is, I promise Mm -hmm. you, it's just the way this TSW works. Mm. Um, there is a respite coming. So it's kind of like just with that, you know, it's darkest before the dawn, they say. <laughs> yeah. So I would get that break. And um, so, and now that I am completely healed, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a life I've never lived. I've never, ever, since I was that little girl putting, um, you know, uh, the steroids on my skin in the middle of the night, even my skin is better now than it was at any time during my life. Mm, it's the first mm-hmm. time, like for one solid year now, I have for the first time in my life, I don't have any hand eczema. Like that was my initial, my hands are, even though they're 60 year old hands, they are intact, they're creamy, they're smooth. They, uh, you know, I can, I, I, can push a grocery cart at the grocery store or shake hands with someone or touch uh, soap or salt or an orange, which I I don't choose to, you know, I try to protect them. My husband's like, wear your gloves when you're doing (laughs) dishes. I do. But um, so I'm, you know, I'm glad that I hung in there, but it was, Mm. it was long. It was a long, long time. Mm. And Mm. I, and I do want to talk about, I want you to ask the questions that, you know, maybe I've, you know, uncovered something that you want to ask about, but I do want to be sure to talk about my skincare treatment and how I think that was a hugely pivotal factor in my healing. Mm. Well, well, Kelly, let's go there now. I think that's a, you know, okay. So, so again, just, we didn't talk a lot before the show, so we don't want people to think they missed a lot of jewels, but um, we did talk about how, when one is a long-term healer, like a, you know, a long hauler, as we call ourselves, um, that sometimes you just become so, your skin has become so damaged and so um, rough from all the years that maybe you have healed, but there's something else going on. And so I think there became a point for me, maybe, maybe it would have happened a couple of years earlier, my healing, if I had done this, but I was so scared of any um, commercial product that might contain a hidden steroid that I would only use something on my skin that had one ingredient or two ingredients, like, you know, coconut oil or olive oil or, um, uh, some some supernatural, not supernatural, but <laughs> highly natural products. Um, and so I was using those for years and years and years, and they were not giving me a protected skin barrier. So 
Um, and, and soaps, same thing. Like I was only going to use something very, very um, mild and one or two ingredients of soap, which is hard to find. And then at one point, my skin just became so dry that someone told me to um, use this soap that they found online. It's called Remedy Soap. And it is in a blue bottle and you can buy it on Amazon and it's for foot fungus and uh, other, it's it's really for uh, like a foot fungus, but it's soup, it's very natural. It's made with just tea tree oil and mint and something else. But someone told me to use a liquid soap and not a bar soap because that was less uh, abrasive on your skin. So I'm not sure, this came in the dry period of my skin, not in the weeping. Cause I, I know that even taking a shower at some points is, is, you know, you're just running around in the shower screaming in pain. So that I went through that phase, but this was afterwards where I decided I'm going to switch to a liquid soap. I found remedy soap and it leaves my skin really moist and, and slimy almost. And I love it. And then in conjunction with that, I switched from a one ingredient, kind of creamy coconut, uh, oh, shea butter. That, I, I was losing mm -hmm. the, the word, but it, that was not moisturizing my skin or doing anything for my skin. So I switched to Eucerin Eczema Relief Cream. Mm -hmm. Again, this is not for people in the red oozy stage. This is for people who are just plain dry. And when you wake up in the morning, you're, you're, you're itchy and you still have flakes all over your sheets, but there's no oozing. Mm -hmm. And so I switched to these two products. And after about six weeks of these two products, my skin was completely changed. And if you look on Amazon um, for the Eucerin eczema relief cream, it has about 5,000 five-star reviews of people that say this was a game changer. And mm. for me now, I trust that it's not got steroids. I've been using it for over a year. I trust that it it seals in the moisture. Um, I just feel like those two products at the super dry, super itchy stage changed me. And mm. one morning after a solid 10 years of never sleeping through the night with itching, you know, just, just constant itching, less, yeah. less and less and less, you know, it went from like a 10, you know, uh, I'll sell my soul to the devil if you'll stop this itch to an eight, to a six, to a five, you know, to a four, but I was still itching all night. Um, I have not, I have not scratched in the middle of the night in a year. And so um, that is because my skin is no longer dry. And mm -hmm. so I think that was those two products for me and, you know, other countries, you may not be able to find it. I don't know if Amazon ships to all around the world or who's listening, but those two products in the U S were, were game changers mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. And would now it would this be the time to talk about a little bit about my antibiotic treatment? Mm. Well, what I will just jump in there. What I will yeah. do is I'll have a look and I'll add links to those in the show notes. Um, and I'll check with you, Kelly, okay. that I'm linking the right thing. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I think that's a super interesting to talk about that skin barrier piece because, you know, there's so much talk about, you know, moisture withdrawal and avoiding showers and then actually not putting anything on your skin. But actually, there is an element, like you say, when your skin's, you know, it's pretty much there 
but it is super super dry and it's not it's not finding its own natural oil production um and as a yeah. consequence you get a super itchy that to have something that helps your skin get its barrier back is really important and i think something that's not discussed enough yes yes and i i personally that again this is just me being authentic i think the moisture withdrawal is absolute rubbish mm, i i literally i think it is absolute rubbish and i think <laughs> it's a a way to torture yourself and potentially lengthen i, I mean if people are healing from this they would have healed anyway this is just mm -hmm. me mm -hmm. because it is your skin is in need of moisture. And when you're, it's not going to jumpstart it into doing moisture. I mm. mean, it's just, it's, it's just doesn't, it doesn't logically make any sense. I don't know who came up with it. It's, it's not scientific. <laughs> um, and I, and I think it's torture and my, yeah. you know, I think the way we get through topical steroid withdrawal is being comfortable. Mm. And I, I, I don't know, maybe, you know, uh, mm. people out there will be, um, but I, I've known also, I've known a lot of people who've tried it and they say that it just made them miserable and then they go back to moisture mm. anyway. And then mm. you've just been miserable for that amount of time. So yeah, it is. It's a baptism of fire. I've done it incrementally throughout my recovery for a couple of days at a time, which is obviously not doing the full thing. Um, just where my skin was so angry at anything being put on it. Um, and it gives it a period of just not flaring, um, but I, I personally, I found it really tough, even just those two days to let my skin just be completely dry. Um, so yeah, that's a that's an interesting perspective because we definitely haven't spoken about that enough on the podcast. Um, alternative thoughts to NMT. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm just speaking of my own personal opinion, mm, mm, but mm -hmm. um, I, I, I would never ever have been able to do it i couldn't even do it for an hour so yeah I, you know yeah. that was just that was just me <laughs> perfect so let's have a chat about um the antibiotics that you mentioned and then i would love to come back to looking at the flares that you did have and kind of thinking about your recovery and anything that you think actually did end up prolonging it or what were the triggers for for the flares throughout that time yes okay so um one of the things that i I am so grateful for is that when I actually recovered, I was not at that moment doing anything. I had finally just relegated myself. And maybe this is a factor because I do believe that stress is definitely one of the, the triggers for a flare without a question. When I look back on 10 years, it was always worse when I was in stress. So at one point I, you know, was 10 years in and was just still scratching all night, very frustrated, just super dry and super itchy. That was more of what I was, but, and still kind of pink. I mean, mm -hmm. just still a little bit pink. And I just felt I'm never going to heal. I am never going to heal. I'm 10 years in and I'm never going to heal. And I'm not going to kill myself, but I have now, I'm just going to realize this is my life. This is the rest of my life. And how can I deal with that? And so I, you know, I do performance coaching and mindset coaching. And so I just said, I'm going to live my, the rest of my life like this. I'll be wearing, and my hands were always my worst. Even 10 years in, I was still in gloves. Everybody knows the famous, um, you know, 
topical steroid withdrawal person is in the white cotton gloves with the fingertips cut out. That is like how I lived the last 10 years and, and thumb holes in my shirt. So long sleeves with thumb holes. So I could protect my wrists, which were always, always open, like just a, a wide crack at my, my wrists and knuckles and hands, you know, were, were bad. And so I was always in gloves and I felt like, you know, like a pariah and like, I'd go out and people would be, why is she wearing gloves in Florida? You know, and it's hot outside. Why is she wearing long sleeves? And so I, and, and my neck, oh God, the creases in my neck so many times, you know, driving, I couldn't even turn my head to look traffic left and right. And I said, honey, if I get killed in a car accident, I want you to write it down as a TSW death because I'm not, my neck is so painful from the cracks and the, you know, and that oozed probably my neck oozed the most all throughout the entire, like I slept with a pillowcase around my neck for years and years and years, um, just to absorb the ooze, even after everything else was just dry, my neck was still oozing. Wow. So, um, so I, I felt like, um, I'm sorry, I lost my complete train of thought there. We were on talking about antibiotics. Um, antibiotics. Mm. So, um, at, even at this point though, where I healed, I was not doing anything. Like I literally had come to the realization that this was my life. And I would compare my life to someone who was in a car accident and couldn't move their legs or someone who just lost their sight or someone who had just, you know, been, um, you know, had some catastrophic, you know, soldiers coming back with, out a leg, you know, it's like, okay, come on, Kelly, this is, this is dry skin and get over yourself. This is going to be the rest of your life. You're going to be wearing gloves. You're going to be itchy, but you've got so many. So I tried to look at it as being grateful and I just let it go. I literally at that point, I just let it go and said, this is now my skin. And, and I know in order to live with this skin, I have to be careful of infections. I have, I, you know, I can't do the, all of the things that I want to do with my skin, but this is my life. Now I will back up and say that about six, three months before I had this healing and I, and I gave up everything. I didn't, I know there's an, uh, a video about L-histidine on YouTube, which has had many views that I was on L-histidine for a long time to help replace my skin barrier. I still believe that if one is low in that amino acid, that there is good research that it does restore, restore the skin barrier. And I, excuse me, I take some L-histidine, but not four grams a day like that. So I think if it, trying L-histidine certainly can't hurt you, um, but it, I was not on L-histidine when I did heal. And so Prior to this particular um, healing event where I went on the good creamy liquid remedy soap and the eucerin cream, I had had a, a double infection, which was like, you know, the nightmare of eczema, of, of a staph infection and a herpes infection at the same time. Nice. So, um, and it was on my face. And this was Poor 10 thing. years in, 10 years in. And so I was, obviously I was on um, an antiviral for the herpes infection. 
and then um, on my face. And then also I had a staph infection on my face. So I was on an antibiotic, uh, an acute antibiotic with both an oral for, the, for both infections, oral and topical. And this was 10 years in and I was like, oh, you know, what, you know, great. Now that, that was one of my worst infections 10 years in. So I believe that it, this maybe not necessarily was red skin, you know, was topical steroid withdrawal. I mean, it could have just been the random, my skin is dry, I've scratched it. And I will say that I was also at a very stressful time in my life. Like um, my mother had just passed away of Alzheimer's. I'd been caregiving for her. Our house had been hit by a hurricane. You know, um, it was just a very tumultuous time where your immune system just crashes. And yeah. so- um, my brother is a doctor, a radiologist, but he definitely has followed ITSAN and was help, you know, was one of the, the key people in helping get us off the ground. And so he's, of course, says, well, you need to take the antibiotics and the antiviral to get this un infection under control. And so I did, and it, it all cleared up. And um, once it cleared up, we all know that if you've been on an antibiotic and it has cleared up your skin a little bit, you're kind of in that phase where, wow. This is, this is kind of cool, but you can't stay on antibiotics all the time. So then I, um, Jim found a research article on low dose antibiotics, not a uh, high dose. And the way that this connected was I kept having perioral dermatitis. So once I was cleared of kind of full on heavy TSW symptoms, I believe that my perioral dermatitis was how I got the double infection. So it wasn't, um, yeah, let me back up and say that the infection that I got on my face of both, you know, a viral and a bacterial infection were from perioral dermatitis. So around my mouth would continually not heal. And it looked just, I mean, if you pull up a picture of perioral dermatitis, that is exactly what I had. And so um, the treatment for perioral dermatitis is a long-term low-dose antibiotic. Hmm. So my brother was like, you know, let's, now that your face is clear, even of perioral dermatitis, let's take, let's do a low-dose antibiotic. And a low-dose antibiotic means it is sub-antimicrobial levels, meaning it's not killing the bacteria on your skin. So you're not like killing your gut flora, you're not killing your skin flora, but it, it, it has an anti-inflammatory effect. So again, three months prior to my total healing, but I was healing mostly in my body. Um, I went on six months of a low dose for perioral dermatitis. Mm -hmm. And within with the finishing that and going into my new skincare routine, that's when my skin just, again, the, the light ray came out of the sky and bathed me <laughs> in this, you are healed moment. Um, and so I don't know, you know, again, would I have healed without that, but I was so thrilled. I wasn't on alhistadine. I wasn't taking CBD oil. I wasn't meditating. I wasn't you know, uh, my life was way less stressful. I had settled down. We cleared my mom's estate. Um, things were definitely less stressful, but that was my journey to the very end. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the, the, 
it, I think it's so important, and I know Kelly, we we discussed earlier just before the show that um, you know that there has to be an element of awareness of when you go into another flare, what's really happening with your skin, and still seeking support to check that okay, it is just skin recovery rather than an infection or rather than a fungal infection. Because, I mean, I, I, as I mentioned, I've seen a couple of people in the community now who assumed it was TSW still going on and ignored right, it and kept, right. you know, either doing NMT or, you know, just doing what they would normally do for TSW. And actually it wasn't. Once they sought help from a doctor, they found out that actually it was a, a, a some sort of skin infection or a fungal infection. And then, yes, took the medication. And that's where <clears throat> it's really difficult to find that balance between sort of trusting the medical community again because you've been hurt for so long. Um, but actually in these situations, it's absolutely the right thing to do. And, you know, I, I just want to say for everybody listening, you know, your skin looks incredible. Creamy is completely the right word. Um, so, yeah, that that moment where you suddenly realised that you'd gone all night and woken up and you hadn't scratched and it was done because your skin felt different and you slept. I mean, that must have just been such a magic moment. It was, it was incredible. And I have to say that, um, the, that I had visualized it. I am a big mindset person and that's what, again, you know, for those of you out there that are just suffering, I really believe that, you know, we've talked about antibiotics, we've talked about low stress, but that knowing that our bodies really, really do know how to heal themselves, they do. And that I, that I have a, oh my gosh, the number of times I've journaled and envisioned and manifested with like, I'm in a power of eight group, Lynn McTaggart's work of um, healing, who knows if that was it, but we you know, my, my, uh, statement was that my skin will heal and I will sleep through the night, waking up, <laughs> feeling refreshed. And that was exactly what happened. And so, yeah, it was just, it, it's kind of like, I knew it was coming. I knew in my heart that it was coming, that I knew in the depths of my soul, you know, we all have that negative little voice of, we can't do it. We may not, it may not happen, but truly we will heal. It, there is no doubt. I mean, you know, you just, life has seasons. It has ups and downs almost as we age, you know, turning 60, seeing, having been on this journey, almost 20 years um, and, you know, 12 years with it's and 13 years now with it's and um, you, you, you know, the old, the old guy down the street who used to you know, used to have a bad back. Now he's healed or, you know, this or that. My dad's 92. And he says, you know, he's healed from things that he never thought he would heal from. And so I knew that one day that I would be healed. And so it was definitely an amazing joy. And, and, and it didn't, I don't think it, that moment was the ray of light of I am now healed because, and this is what we did want to talk about was you're walking on eggshells. You have PSTD, PTSD. You do think, was that an anomaly? Was that the rare night? And then it night two turned into night three, turned into night 20, turned into three months, turned into a year. And so you, and I still have um, hypervigilance with my skin. Like 
we live in Florida. There are mosquitoes here. I got a mosquito bite on my back last week and I started to itch and I couldn't see it. See, if I could have seen it anywhere else on my body, I would have known, okay, that's a mosquito bite. But I was obsessed. My husband's like, let it go. It is a mosquito <laughs> bite. And so, um, but I am hyper vigilant mm -hmm. about anything that pops up on my skin now. And yeah, we do have like, okay, so it's been a year. My skin has been perfect, but I went to get my hair highlighted and I had a mosquito bite literally on the back of my neck and I scratched it. And when I was in the shampoo bowl, I picked up in impetigo, literally no. <laughs> impetigo on the back of my neck. And it was literally a little spot of impetigo. And so I, my brother, again, is the doctor. I went to him. And, and so I am going to a doctor, but a doctor that I trust that's in my family. And I know we don't all have that, but, um, he was like, that's impetigo. He wrote me a prescription for a little tube of antibacterial. I put it on there for seven days. It's completely gone. Um, so yes, I was freaked out for that entire time that I had a tiny spot of impetigo on the back of my neck. But that is the, the so it, yes. It's the legacy it is, that we're left with, right? It will yeah, always it, be hypervigilant. It was joy, you know, it's unbelievable joy. Like the, the joy is that every day now I'm doing things that I've wanted to do for 10 years. So a lot of, a lot of my friends and my family are like, Kelly is like out of control. I mean, I'm like doing podcasts and writing books and doing this and doing that. And like, just, I I'm living at 10 speed of what I feel like I've missed over the last 10 mm. years. And it's, it's really incredible. It's like one of those, those things that you don't know right now that you're gaining, you know, you're recharging your battery. And I just, I encourage people to visualize that healing, what it's going to look like. What are you going to do when you're healed? Like you don't have to be doing it now, but what, what are the, 10 things when you are healed that you are going to do. And mm. that, and that list kept me going forward. Mm -hmm. Amazing. That's, that's a great tip. Um, and we'll, we'll come on to some of the stuff you do around your podcast as well, Kelly, and sort of some of that mindset shift and also the book that you've, you've authored. Um, and I guess maybe it's sort of wrapped up and everything you said there, but if it, you know, if, if you could talk to someone now who is at nine, 10 years and is at the end of their tether, what would, what would your, your top tip be? And maybe it's that visualization piece, but is it anything else? Yeah. I mean, I do have some long-termer friends and, um, I think you have totally hit on it, Claire. <clears throat> and I think it's really important. My own, I am, I'm not going to, divulge this person's, um, identity, but I, I feel like this person does have something else going on with their skin without a doubt. And, um, they're so recalcitrant to medications and medit, you know, the medical community that they're not willing to try things that are, you know, in that realm, just like I wouldn't try anything on my skin that wasn't one ingredient for, for years. And I think that held me back. So I would, I would ask people to, they don't have to go out on a limb and, and try, you know, stem cell replacement, but, um, is there an antibiotic or an antifungal or a new moisturizer or a different 
bathing routine. Maybe staying in the bath all day long, every day for 10 years is not healing our skin. Maybe it is. I, you know, but I would just say what else might be going on. And then, you know, at the end of the day, we all can benefit from less stress, better rest, and a, a better mental attitude. And I don't think it's a coincidence that I just gave up and I said, you know what, this is just it. This is me. And because when we have that inner dialogue of, you know, we're, we're sending positive vibes out into the world versus negatives, I think our skin responds to that. And so um, that, that would be, that would be my advice for long haulers mm-hmm. and for, you know, almost for short haulers too. Yeah. Yeah. So Kelly, I want to, to, to touch on relationships, which is one of the things that, you know, I haven't really covered so far in any of my other conversations. Um, and obviously it's something very close to my heart because my husband is absolutely incredible, but um, my recovery has gone on for pretty much a year now. And there's been some really dark moments in that, you know, not sharing yes. a bedroom and not being intimate. Um, and all my conversation is about my skin and him seeing me in pain. And and it's taken a real toll in just a year on our relationship. So, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear how you navigated that with your partner um, and any tips you might have for the community sort of going through this now. Yes, yes, that's a great question and so, so pertinent to so many of us. So yes, uh, one thing that I think is is a valuable piece of information about my relationship with my husband is we were married in uh, 2004. So we were not that um, into our relationship when I started to really hit the skids with full body eczema and all these treatments and um then topical steroid withdrawal in 09. So, you know, pretty much like right when, in fact, the first night that we slept together, the very first night that we spent the night in the same bed, um, I was putting on topical steroids. And after I put it on, he said, "Uh, nothing personal, but can you please not touch me with that stuff? He said, I just don't think that stuff's good for you. And that we've always looked back and (laughs) laughed about that stuff. Yeah. Um, so from there, if you, you know, if you kind of fast forward to when I'm critically, cause even during, you know, when you don't know how much you're suffering, you, um, you still maintain kind of that intimacy and you, you're still hopeful and you're not in this, you know, I, I think somehow even having full body bad eczema was not as bad as TSW. TSW was, like I said, you're walking through the gates of hell, but when you're going through hell, keep going, right? Winston Churchill, when you're going through hell, just keep going because there is an exit to hell for this. And so um, I think communication is just massively key. And, and we practice something called Imago therapy, which I think has made our now 18 year marriage. Um, we are the closest we've ever been. Um, and it, it's, it's where you really listen and reflect in, if you don't have time to read it, it's simply, um, when you, you are having some kind of a, uh, not even necessarily a disagreement, but something you need to talk about. You say, honey, is there something bothering you? I know this TSW is hard. And they say, 
yes, X, Y, Z, I never get to have sex with you. I never, you know, you don't cuddle me anymore. All we do is talk about your skin. And then what you have to do is you have to mirror them. So you say, okay, I hear you saying that we don't have sex. I hear you saying that you don't, I don't cuddle you anymore. I hear you saying that all I do is talk about my skin. Um, and then you have to ask the question when you mirror them, is there more? So you keep, you keep hearing, not just, not just parroting them, but you're hearing their pain and what they're saying. And then you have to keep asking, is there more until they are completely talked out? And then you switch and you have to share that with each other. And it is an amazing way to have them be heard because a lot of times they're completely just not heard and you really hear them. And when I heard the pain that Mark was in, um, and, I, and the other thing I wanted to say that's a little different about Mark and I, Mark is 12 years younger than I am. Mm -hmm. So he has a young man's sex drive. And I know a lot of what we're talking about with our relationships is that intimacy, you know, that intimacy of your skin, your body, do, you do not want to be touched. It is painful yep, to yep. do anything, much less be sweated on and, you yep. know, having the whole experience <laughs> of that. And so, um, but once I heard his pain for this, you know, um, then I would go above and beyond to have that intimacy with him because I knew how important it was to him and he knew he listened to my pain. And then it wasn't like, I mean, you know, at that point I was, you know, 45 and he was 30. So it was very, um, you know, he was a, a, lucky, a young man with this lady. high, I know, I know <laughs> this, this super high need for intimacy often. And so he was willing to ratchet back his, desire of every day to, okay, every Sunday, you know, I'm going to really do this because we know during TSW, we have to do things. We have mm -hmm. to sometimes go to work. We have mm -hmm. to take care of our kids. We have to clean the house. We're doing things that are painful, yeah. but we have to do them. And so instead of looking at, at our intimacy as, oh God, I got to do this. I realized <laughs> this is my partner and I'm going to be the best that I can be at this. And it's going to, you know, it's going to be hard, but I'm going to do it because I love him. And so it did end up turning into a lovemaking versus, and there weren't, you know, it wasn't always, sometimes you just do what you can do. Sometimes it was simply, honey, it's just, I was hoping that Sunday afternoon would be good, but this is a oozing mm. gross flare. Mm. May I just tickle your back and, rub mm -hmm. your hair and cuddle you. And sometimes that was good enough for him. Yeah. Yep. And um, so that was, that was, you know, the intimacy part of it. And then the other part, which I, I think is highly important in the long-term healers, which I think could have played a role. And I want to, I, I don't know exactly how to get into this topic because it's mm -hmm. very mental, but mm -hmm there became so now again let's fast forward 15 years of of this um intimacy issue and it became for me 
a lot of times psychiatrists or psychologists or people working with you when you have an ongoing um, physical problem will ask you, what are you getting out of continuing your TSW? So there was a point being a long hauler where I would say um, to myself, and I had some good friends, I'm in a, a women's group and they were like, Kelly, before we, you know, we're trying to heal this. Is there anything you're getting out of mm, always how does that you know, serve having you? flares? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, what, yeah. what is this, you know, like what is serving people in continually drinking or continually mm. overeating or continue, like what is something that you're doing? Is there, is your itchy nights, you know, where you get to wake up and say to your partner, oh, I didn't sleep a wink last night. I can't do the work you wanted me to do. Or, you know, so I, I tried to look at that. And one of the things that I felt like I was getting out of TSW was the excuse not to have sex every week. So, you know, it was like, it became this chore of, okay, every mm. Sunday afternoon, I've got to have sex. That was after many years of the initial, now this is lovemaking. And then it, I became resentful of it, of gosh, you know, every Sunday afternoon, now I've got to have sex. And so um, I told Mark this. So we had an Imago therapy where I said, I feel like this is now a chore and not something that I want to do. And I said, I am just, I didn't even think of this, but one of my girlfriends said, maybe I'm continuing my TSW so that I can only have sex once a week. Because again, Mark wanted to have it every single day. So once a week for me, so it was like this continually, uh, a contentious place for us. So I literally said to him, would you free me up of six months where I don't have to worry that you are wanting sex from me? And that was a precursor to my healing. I'm not kidding you. Mm -hmm. And once I was freed from that, and then of course my skin healed, our sex life is back to <laughs> total normalcy, normalcy yeah. where it's not, you know, it's not an issue with my skin. It's not a, I mean, it, you know, I think couples are always going to have a frequency issue. Somebody likes it less or more or whatever, and that's just normal. Mm. But, um, so I asked myself what I was getting out of TSW and it was, less frequency of sex, which as a 60 year old woman, you know, again, mm -hmm. not to give, be too, you know, too much information, but when you go through menopause, you, you do lose your libido. And so it was kind of like, oh, now. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I, I would ask long haulers, is there something that you might be getting out of TSW that if you just released, mm -hmm. would that help you again, all of this is stress and normalcy. So that is a combo That's answer to relationship. Yeah. So that was, yeah. that was part of my healing. No, that's but, but other, other things, I think for relationships, it's just so important to have open communication and that you feel each other's pain and that you come to some kind of an agreement for, um, what works for both of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Kelly, there is so much in there that I'm just like, oh my God, that's fascinating. I think, um, you know, but like, touching on that piece of kind of asking, how is this serving me is so fascinating because it, you know, one, there's just the utter trauma of going through it, first wave and the shock of finding out what it is. And then, you know, the gaslighting and convincing your family that you're doing the right thing and the doctors that you're doing the right thing and trying to get support. And then, you know, it goes on for ages. This is months and years of trauma and recovery. But there is an element of having to sit back and go, am I creating a crutch out of something in this? Is there something about this that is serving me in a weird way? And is it, you know, um, being a victim mentality and having people always ask about my skin or me being the center of attention for that or just like it's just an interesting question to sit back and explore and ask yourself once in a while because invariably it turns up some interesting stuff and that's across all facets of life where you're having a problem with something or you think mentally there's something that's holding you back it's like how is that situation serving me even if it's a difficult situation yeah. And, you know, as someone who has a podcast, which I don't care if we talk about, it's not, I don't, not trying to promote it, but I think that the subtitle for this podcast could, should be, is, is your TSW serving another purpose? You know, mm-hmm. something like that, because um, the other thing that I will tell you is, of course, I was already a little bit of a germaphobe when I went into TSW, but of course, once your skin opens up and you're available to all these pathogens out there I became a real germaphobe which was the gloves and the covered arms and you know even just going into the grocery store if my arms weren't covered and somebody banged into a split I was like oh my god did I just get something so what is funny is I say now with the pandemic and the masks and gloves I'm like oh my god I I could go into grocery stores wearing gloves now and and no one would even look at you funny you know because so um again I felt like maybe besides the the sex frequency thing that um, my gloves were serving a purpose for me. Even maybe when I didn't need my gloves, I was still wearing them. Even when I didn't need the long sleeves, maybe I was still wearing them. So that's just something that I think we Mm. could ask ourselves. Mm, Completely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, on the intimacy thing, like I've had a, you know, conversations with my husband around this because I mean, not only are you obviously in pain and, you know, it's uncomfortable and you don't want to get sweaty, but you also, I look at myself and not only is my skin, you know, completely different and awful, but I feel like my facial features have changed somewhat. Like my eyes are like different and my chin, I just feel puffy and all this other stuff. So you don't feel attractive. So I certainly don't want to put on sexy underwear and be like, oh, (laughs) you know, hey. But interestingly, you know, because of that, because we haven't slept in the same bedroom for a long time, we've stopped even kind of like cuddling or holding hands or, you know, little signs of, you know, affection, which we used to do all the time. And interesting we we spoke about that and have tried to weave that back in because at a certain point I'm just the sick one in the relationship and we're just kind of living together and loving each other but we're not a, a partnership you know and mm-hmm. and you, you you were completely right there it's like listening to their pain as well like he's going through pain and you know if you haven't got a a, a partner um, an intimate partner you know 
your parents who might be taking care of you or your friends you know everybody is experiencing this pain and sometimes we have to set aside our own trauma and and listen to that and how they're experiencing it and how can we support them to get through this time yes yes claire that is so so smart and yeah i i feel like that that knowing that other people are having that pain is is valuable yeah yeah absolutely so so i'd love to come back to itsang because we've you know we've, we've spoke about that and kind of your your journey and, and actually first of all can i just want to talk about you know how incredibly brave you were going through tsw at a time when there was such limited information available like that's on its own is is huge i mean i have the support of seeing lots of other people healing and kind of hearing their stories but to go through it when you just have a few white papers and have spoken to a few doctors i mean that that's massive in its own yeah well i i have to say uh that i was lucky enough to have one-on-one attention of Dr. Marvin Rappaport. I mean, literally while you guys are out there, you know, have each other, I could pick up the phone and call him or email him or visit him. I visited him four times during my first two years. And, you know, he just, his soothing voice, his confidence in what, what we were doing. And while I truly will love and honor and respect Dr. Rappaport all my life, he literally saved my life. Um, I think he is unaware of the full length of time that it takes people to heal. I know that he's very optimistic and he usually gives the two year mark, which is probably an average truly. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's probably Mm -hmm. a good thing to say to people because some people I've seen close friends go be massively brutally, um, in withdrawal and heal in six months. And then, um, others that are still out there healing. So, um, but I, I think that, you know, having him was, was, he was my savior Mm. and, um, I still wish that he would be nominated for a CNN hero. And, um, he's, he's, he's the father of topical steroid withdrawal and the true father of ITSAN, even though, you know, he's separated from ITSAN. But that was, if I hadn't had Dr. Rappaport, I, I don't know what I would have done. I probably would have gone back on topical steroids. Mm-hmm. And then once Dr. Rappaport and I combined our efforts to develop it, San, then there were many, many people. And then I got to watch people heal that I could believe in. And But the funny thing was, the very first um, funny thing is when Dr. Rappaport started to encourage me, he gave me a list of about five phone numbers for people to call. Um, he said, you know, these people have been my patients and they've healed. And every single one of them, Claire, used the phrase, I'm not out of the woods yet. <laughs> I'm way healed and I'm done with topical steroids and I'm so much better, but I'm not out of the woods yet. Mm-hmm. And I remember hanging up the phone and looking at my husband and saying, that didn't sound like I'm totally healed, but it was enough. It was enough. But it, it also told me it should have been like that handwriting on the wall, like, OK, something else mm, uh, is going mm-hmm. on here. And so, um, yeah, yeah, but that that was, you know, Dr. Rappaport, Dr. Yeah. Rappaport all day long. And yeah. Dr. Fukaya, Dr. Fukaya was another kind of even though, you know, his English isn't great, super supportive of of me on emails, always answering my emails. So I was probably as lucky as they come to mm-hmm. be 
Um, and that was because of my website sticking out there in the world. Dr. Fakaya knew, okay, this is a woman that I really should help because she's helping the community. And then, and then, you know, Joey and, and Tracy Lynn and, you know, like all of these people that, uh, Kira, and I mean, um, Kira's, uh, Christina's daughter who healed and, you know, um, Lauren and just, just like, I don't want to name people because mm -hmm. I'll leave so many people out, but, um, yeah, there, there were, it kind of became a circle. I kind of almost want the list, like that there should be somewhere where we're keeping a database of people who have healed, like who, because it's almost like people drop off the circuit, right? So after a while that they've been going through withdrawal, they, you know, the Instagram's closed down or you don't hear about them from them anymore. And it's like, how many people have gone through this and healed? I just want oh to Oh my know. gosh, tons, tons. I used to keep a list and, um, and I just, I just got, it just got too, too much. Yeah. And there are tons and tons and they do drop out. And I do believe it is PTSD. I believe it's traumatic. It is so, I, I mean, I have friends that dropped out. Like I think of Leslie, who's an attorney in LA who, um, or Michael, uh, Michael C who's a friend. And the, you know, these people were so, and oh, oh my gosh, I left out Susan. Susan <laughs> Riza was the ultimate supporter of ITSAN and held the first ITSAN conference at her house um, in LA. And all these, the walking wounded, it literally could have looked like, like we were Hollywood made up. Um, I'm not kidding. Like, like zombies coming into Susan's bright red faces with these white noses and molting and just like who what is wrong? Susan's having a bunch of sick people over to her house. And, um, and so these people that are gone, they're completely like, and, and occasionally I'll reach out to one of them and they'll just be like, Oh, I, I can't even go there. I can't even go back to that time. Oh, don't even remind me of it. I literally get nauseated when I go into the, not they they're saying this, but mm, sometimes mm. I will go into the forum and I, you know, onto Facebook or see posting pictures and I will, I will get sick to my mm, stomach. Mm. Just like, Oh, this poor person. Yeah, it I makes know your heart race, doesn't them. it? You can feel it your does. heart. It's just, yeah. So, um, so there are tons and tons of people that have healed. Awesome. And, and, and tell me about um, the work that kind of Itsan has achieved so far, Kelly, and kind of what, what you see as being the next steps in raising awareness and changing the medical dialogue. Yes. Oh, I cannot be more impressed with the leadership that uh, took over after, you know, I left and what they've done just recently, just, I just, I forwarded you the newsletter, uh, which I had no idea that the, you know, they were kind of celebrating the actual official 10 year anniversary of it. San, even though, again, we started kind of 13 years ago with the, the unofficial, um, everything that, that they're doing with partnerships with other large organizations from, of course, the National Eczema Association, Julie Block, who, of course, I love Julie and respect her, um, but she hung up the phone on me. She wouldn't allow us to have a, a booth at the um, the Eczema Expo because, you know, she didn't believe in us. I was told we were internet quacks and um, just like it's uh, NEA didn't want to have anything to do with ITSAN. And so now they're they're partners. They have a whole page. When I see that, it's amazing. And I'm um, getting in with the coalition of skin diseases, which I actually did under my presidency. That was one of the first things that I think was a, the first biggest step was getting in as a member of the coalition of skin diseases. And then Kelly Barta went on to be the president of the coalition of skin diseases. And now they're working with the food and drug administration in the U S and you guys in the UK are doing a lot with your, um, 
you know, medicine watch. Um, and I know they're doing things in Australia and New Zealand. And it just, it's global. The documentaries, oh my gosh, starting with, you know, um, Brianna's uh, beautiful, you know, preventable documentary and Skin on Fire and all the thousands of blogs and, you know, uh, YouTube channels and stories. It's just, it, it has gone beyond um, what I could have imagined. But of course, all of us leaders and it's Sand have always said the ultimate thing is that it Sand doesn't exist in 10 years. That, you know, there's no, uh, nobody's being treated with topical steroids for eczema, period. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just mm-hmm. like Dr. Fukaya has from day one that I met Dr. Fukaya, I think in the very first email he ever sent me was, the uh, you know the Academy of Dermatology in the U.S. is coming up on reviewing their protocols for treating eczema. You need to get steroids taken off of that list. And so the ultimate goal, the ultimate thing that Itsan could do would be to have topical steroids completely eliminated as an option for treating topical for treating mm-hmm. eczema. Period. Mm-hmm. It just mm-hmm. like there are now a lot of these biologicals. There are a lot of you know, I, I feel like when, like you, one of your questions, which I know you sent me some pre-questions is, do I have any residual eczema? No, zero, none. I used to have it on my hands, Please, used to have it mind. on my eyes, zero. And it's the first time in my life that I've never had any eczema. Mm. So, um, and as Dr. Rappaport always says, people grow out of eczema. Adults aren't supposed to have eczema. Yeah, yeah. I had eczema as a kid and it continued because I used topical steroids. So no, I have no residual eczema. Um, but the idea that we can, I don't eat gluten. I mean, it's just a thing. I, I eat gluten-free things. Um, I think having cleaner diets and exercising and drinking a lot of water and certainly supplements. Vitamin D is a huge factor in our skin. I mean, I take vitamin D3 every day. I take fish oils every day. I take vitamin Cs every day. Magnesium is another thing that our skin needs. I, I do feel like besides the antibiotics and other things that I during this time, I did have a nice, steady regimen of a good, not over the top, just a good round of good supplements that our diets now may not have because of the depleted soils and all the things that, you know, we're not able to eat. So, um, yeah, so I, I feel like Itsan's ultimate, ultimate thing will be to get rid of topical steroids because then there's no TS mm. in its sand, and its sand hopefully will not exist in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. That's amazing. And you're so regularly, honestly, it does just blow my mind when you're like, we see cases such as yours and other people where it's like, I have no eczema now. It is all and has always been decades of prolonging it through the prescribed drugs. I, I mean, yes. it absolutely blows my mind still. So conscious of time, we've been chatting for ages. So I just want to quickly touch on, you know, your book that came out in April last year, um, which is, it's take, so Take Your Mark Lead. Talk to me about that. And I know there's a, a chapter that you mentioned, Talks really yes, to the TSW Yes, yes. So, um, and I do, I do have to go because I have another, uh, another call in like five minutes. But I, the reason I want to promote this book to our listeners is because um, Take Your Mark Lead is a, uh, filled with stories and uh chapter five is actually called the passionate persister and so this chapter was written in mind with people going through tough things and certainly in in the uh some of the chapters i talk about topical steroid withdrawal and it's sand 
But um, in chapter five, there are some valuable tools with for getting through tough times. And I, I specifically talk a little bit about my breast cancer in there, but this is a book. I love leadership. I think people can lead their own lives. So it's every chapter has a story and then a takeaway. And um, so take your mark lead and it's $2.99 on Kindle. I'm not trying to sell, I'm not trying to make money off of it, but I feel like that people would um, get something out of take your mark lead. Um, especially now that they know me intimately from my sex life down to my, you know, skin infections, um, that they might relate to some of the stories and the takeaways. Absolutely. Fantastic. Kelly, I'm going to link to that and I'm going to link to your, um, your podcast and maybe separately we can agree. Is there certain ones that you would say you think the TSW community yes. can take value from yes. in the podcast. Yes, I, I will I will put a few that they would take value from. Amazing. Cool. Well, look, thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute oh, and pleasure. Thank you, oh, Claire, for what you're doing for the community. It's just, it's wonderful. And I, I just really um, honor and respect what you're doing. And thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly. You take care. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs>